Yeah, and, and make sure there's a learning culture within your organization as well. So other people want to learn as well. So it's not only you as an entrepreneur. When you grow at a certain point, you also want to have your, your colleagues, your, your managers to, to, to become self-learning and, and self-developing. Um, and I think this is very important if you want to scale and, and continue scaling. Your organization has to be adaptive to, to learning all the time. Hello, everybody, and welcome to... Do I need school to be... I'm Alex, and I'm going to sit down and have great conversations with people because we're all diverse. We're all different. We all have different ways of learning. And I want to ask people how they learned to do the things they do. Yeah, sounds random. Sounds fun. I hope it does, because here we go. Hello, dear guest. And I want to apologize because I, well, I was editing this episode. I noticed there's a clicking sound when I talk. It's not on my guest. It's 100% on me. I plug my microphone into the wrong USB port. Yay for me. Um, but yeah, sorry about that. And I hope that doesn't deter you from listening to this episode because it's really amazing. It's with the co-founder and CEO from Starduck, an amazing co-working space here in Rotterdam. Tom and I actually know each other in person in real life because I used to be a docker before the pandemic and I know I have first-hand experience with how honest and ethical and amazing this company is and that's why I wanted to have him over to talk about what it's like to be an entrepreneur and being the elusive c-suite and yeah so I hope you enjoy this episode I'm gonna stop talking right now and I'm gonna let you listen to my interview with, with Mr. Tom Wernke. And here we are back at the podcast. It's been a minute and I apologize for that, but I am very happy that I'm here today with Tom, Tom from Stardog. How are you today? I'm very good, uh, Alex. Thank you for uh, for asking. How are you? Um, also very good. Powering through this heat. We are both in the Netherlands. We're actually, we, we actually know, know each other in person. That's not something that I can say from a lot of people that I've interviewed. A lot of them are very international. Oh, well, yeah, you have even worked for uh, for our company. And, and you, you were a customer at our company, obviously. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so then we actually can talk about that too. But let's get started. So, Tom, please tell the audience who you are and what you're currently working on. Yeah, so my name is uh, Tom Merenke. Um, born and raised in the Netherlands. And uh, uh, I'm an entrepreneur. And uh, what we do is we provide co-working space for other entrepreneurs. So, back when we started, we thought it was cool to have uh, awesome buildings with awesome people and do awesome things together. And that is what we do. So we currently have uh, four locations in the Netherlands. And uh, yeah, so my job title is uh, uh, co-founder and CEO, uh, whatever that means. Um, but that's uh, what I do for Stardock. Cool. Somebody in the C-suite. Oh, it's <laughs> the, the elusive C-suite. What do people do there? Is it just a title? Is it an actual thing? Who knows? And I, I like like Tom. I was a startup too. I think it's a great place. It's an awesome. It's a very historic building, right? It is actually all of our buildings are um, uh, monumental, monumental classical buildings. So um, yeah, they they all have uh, cool authenticity as a as a building. And like you said, it's awesome people doing awesome things. The variety of business of businesses that call startup home. It's really cool. You have like digital entrepreneurs to sustainability to to fintech companies to creatives you have a little bit of everything and there you really like you you guys work really hard 
in the community spirit. Like when I was looking for a co-working, I was the, the thing that sold me is the fact that you had a community manager. It's a person that's focused on making sure that you're happy in providing, in creating events so you guys can, everybody can get to know each other and just providing those resources. And why, why did you decide to do that? Like why, why did you decide to start Stardock? Like what did you just wake up and said, hmm, I should do this. Like, well, how did you get there? Well, how did you get here to this point in time? Yeah, good question. So when we started, um, I used to have a uh, uh, an IT company uh, back when I was uh, still studying in uh, in Amsterdam. And for that company, at a certain point, we were uh, thinking about uh, getting an office space. Uh, but we thought office spaces are normally not that cool. It's quite formal. Um, when you want to have it a bit affordable, it's quite far away from the city center. So yeah, it had not so much from what we preferred at that point in time. We were like 23, 24 years old, and we just wanted to have a cool environment on a cool location with cool people. Um, so we contacted a lot of other entrepreneurs that we already knew, and we just asked them like, hey, what if we arrange a cool building in the historical city of Amsterdam on one of these canals? And we make sure you can rent an office or, or a desk uh, there for a good price. So let's say 250 to 350 euros per desk per month. In and Amsterdam, of- super affordable. Some people may say that's ex- may, may say like that's so expensive. It's Amsterdam. That is that is actually an excellent price. Yeah, yeah. So so back in the days it was uh, yeah like t- 250 euros a, a desk. Now we're at like 350 euros a desk, but it's still uh, kind of affordable in Amsterdam. We have competitors that that ask like 600 euros per desk, and that's yeah. So somewhere in between will be the average price uh, in Amsterdam. But yeah, so we just started with with gathering cool entrepreneurs and they were all enthusiastic about the idea of of sitting together in in historical Amsterdam and and doing cool stuff together. So that's where it actually started. And at a certain point, we just thought, okay, let's do it. And right now you have four locations. Your newest one is, so you have three in Amsterdam, one in Rotterdam, and the newest one is in Amsterdam, is super close to Central Station, I think. I am very bad placing things in space, like. I am I am the worst person. I can I cannot give I cannot give or get directions. I I would die without Google Maps. <laughs> and how do you how do you like sort out what locations do you want? Because like you mentioned the project that we did together that I, ma- I made a poster for you guys and I actually made illustrations from each of the buildings and the one in Rotterdam almost cost me my sanity because it's so detailed. It's such a beautiful building. But how do you sort that out? Like how do you choose the locations? Does it have you ever had a struggle with that? And how do you manage that? Because I'm guessing as an entrepreneur, there are challenges that we face. It's how to get those resources together. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think that this at the moment is, is one of the, the biggest challenges that we're facing. So, so finding the, the right, we, we actually mostly start at a city level. So we just think what kind of city is interesting for our concept. These cities, they at least need to have a university. Uh, they need to have a lot of startups. They need to have a, a municipality that is heavily investing in this startup climate, this this entrepreneurial ecosystem, um, because this attracts a lot of entrepreneurs. It attracts a lot of investors. It makes sure there's something going on there. And definitely here in, Amst- uh, in the Netherlands, we have Amsterdam, which is obviously the front runner, um, but also like Rotterdam, uh, Eindhoven, uh, and in a little bit less, uh, also uh, Utrecht. Um, yeah, those are cities that, uh, that, that our concept would fit. And then we start in a more detailed level, like, okay, what kind of 
building would be cool what kind of location in the city would be cool where are the train station how can you uh, how can you get there at, at these buildings so that's yeah everything is important so it's it's hard to to find the right building and the right spot Yeah, so back when we founded it, we were even with five. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, but it's kind of hard to 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 manage a company with five uh, five C-suite uh, people. So so quite fast, we decided that two of the five had to leave the company. Those were uh, that was back in two thousand and seventeen. I guess we started in twenty sixteen. 2017, uh, two of the founders left, and uh, last year our uh, our third founder uh, he also left the company. So we're currently um, only with two um, in uh, at startup. I'm just thinking about how hard it is with five people to decide what pizza to get. <laughs> yeah, everything was hard to decide. <laughs> I mean. Just if you want to go to the movies with five people and everybody wants to watch something different, everybody has different schedules, and then you say, "Yeah, we'll 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 just do it another day." So I cannot even imagine founding a company with five other people. And yeah, that sounds insane to me. But yeah, and I'm guessing that those are the first challenge. And how did you like step up to be or step into or were chosen or just landed in the role of CEO? Was that something? Did you oh, you finish this IT company? Did you see yourself? founding this space or does it something that was attractive to you or did you say yes i want to be ceo or how 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 do you make those decisions yeah actually that went quite organic i think um it wasn't really like a decision that that i enforced as far as i can remember um and i think a role is just a role when you're founder of a company uh you have to do especially in the beginning months and and even in the beginning years you have to do practically everything. So if you you can call yourself CEO or you can call yourself the office cleaner, but uh, A or B, you have to do like everything. So in the beginning years, we we did everything. We fundraised, we found new locations. We had to do the sales in order to get all the customers in. We had to do the marketing. We had to hire the first people, sort, sort all of that out, sort everything out around the tax authority and, and everything around that. So... In the beginning, you have to just do everything. So it, it's not intentionally, I think, back then that I got the role of CEO, but it was more like a conversation with everybody and yeah, what what kind of role would fit everybody. And it feels a bit uh, cringe to, to have a role like CEO because we're a company of only 31 employees. So when you think about a CEO, you're, you think about, a, let, let's say, a multinational company with hundreds of or thousands of employees. And yeah, we are only a small company with like uh, 30 people. So it's just a role. It's just a title. I love that you stress that. I think a lot of people glorify the C-suite saying like, oh, we have to have decision makers. We have to have all these things. But in the end, like you said, it's just a role. I I love the concept from Simon Sinek about... Uh, the servant leader, that there are people that lead by saying, I make all the decisions, you follow me. And then the the servant leader, which is how can I serve the company the best way that I can? And I think that's a way healthier way to be a leader and to have a, that sounds, sounds like ideal with everything happens organically. And then like put the ego aside and say like, okay, am I the best person for this role actually? Yep. And, or is somebody else better than me? 
I think that's a question you should constantly ask yourself. Like even uh, even now we have grown uh, for like six and a half years. Um, and literally this was one of the questions that I asked to my entire team. Like if there's someone who's willing to have my role, then please scream, shout. If you think you can do it in a better way, then then it's fine. We can talk about that. And and I think at the at the very moment, my my co-founder, uh, his name is Johan. I think he doesn't even have a role. <laughs> he was he he used to have the CFO role, but he said I don't like that role because I always get the finance questions, which makes sense, obviously, if you have the CFO role. Um, so he said I think we need to hire a CFO, uh, someone who is uh, finally responsible for for all the the hard financial stuff, um, and then. I think currently his role in, in, in the signature of his email is like co-founder. So, yeah. And then that's the question, the, the critical question I think a lot of entrepreneurs don't ask of themselves is like, am I the right person to do this? Or when should I outsource this? Like, I hate doing my taxes. I am very bad at it. It's all in Dutch and my Dutch is not yet at that level that I can understand 100% what the people want from me. So I outsource that to somebody else because I'm lucky enough to be able to afford it. But that's an important question. And how do you, so you finished school. Did you know that you wanted, like, because you started your company while you were at school. So I'm guessing being an entrepreneur was always something that you had in the back of your head or like, how did you have any influences? Like what, what, what made you think, Hmm, I want to be an entrepreneur. Um, well, my, my dad has been an entrepreneur, so um, that always attracted me. I always wanted to know about how that was and how it worked. Um, and somewhere in the back of my mind, I knew that I wasn't that suitable to work in a company uh, because I, I did a lot of internships. I used to have a lot of um, part-time jobs when I was uh, studying. And often I had the arrogant thought that I knew better what to do or where to go than other people around me or above me in the company. And that's not a good thought when you work in a company. So that probably, yeah. So, so somewhere in the back of my mind, indeed, I knew uh, once I would probably become an entrepreneur or, or try to do that. Um, but yeah, I, Actually, it, it happened. Um, I, I bumped into my, my co-founder uh, of the IT company, uh, Johan, who's, who's now also the, the, the second co-founder in, in Startup. And, and he was already an entrepreneur since he was 13. Uh, he oh, wow. Yeah. So he used to, to, to build websites um, during his studies. Um, so he knew a lot about it and it really attracted me. So I wanted to know more about it. And then we found out we really liked each other and, and we were very uh, complementary to each other's skills. So that was how we came together and, and started doing cool things. That's how we went. Quite organic. I think like the other fact about being an entrepreneur is that you get to choose who you work with a lot more. In a company, you're just assigned, okay, here's your office mate. Yeah. Spain eight hours with this person. God willing, you get along. If yeah. not, well, that's not my problem. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's so cool that you just bumped into each other. It was like, hey, we like the same stuff. We complement each other well. Let's do something together. Yeah. But isn't that probably something that, that should also be important within a company? Um, so also for people who are not the owner of a company, um, within our company, uh, a lot of uh, team mate, mates choose their own colleagues because it's more important that they like each other 
then that they do not like each other. So there has to be, this is the, the, the most important factor in, in our recruitment process is, is the culture match, the culture fit. Um, and like skills and, and yeah, sk skills you can learn. We can learn them along the way, but there has to be a culture fit first. And then we start about talking about skills. I love that you mentioned that because like called it's, I think it's, Like the, I'm, I'm reading a lot lately about experience design and how it's important to have the company culture and how many people think that's internal, but the company culture will seep into the clients, that it would seep into the customers. It will, everybody's an experience designer from the front end person that, I don't know, clean, that waters the plants or cleans the spaces to the CEO. Everybody's contributing to the final experience that people are going to get. And I feel that somebody that's something that's very strong in Stardock, that everybody who's there and you really show that culture to the customers, to the clients, to the visitors, to the dockers, as you call them, actually. Mm -hmm. And then we want to reproduce it because at least when I was there, I felt so comfortable and I felt so welcome that I wanted to make other people feel welcome. That's something that you guys do extremely well and sounds like so, that's also very intentional. Yeah, oh, thank you. I think I think we're we're very sincere in that. We we want to work with cool people. We want to work with with nice people. We want to really help and facilitate the people that we work with and for. Um and and we are quite picky in that. So when we feel at a tour that a company is not willing to to contribute to this community feeling that we are trying to build. So that's what what we are doing. We make sure entrepreneurs get there. Entrepreneurs get to know each other. Entrepreneurs uh, share knowledge resources and expertise um, if you're not willing to share and you're only there to to get something i think then you're not the right person for for our co-working space and if we feel that during a tour um, all of our colleagues can say it's not going gonna happen so a community manager has the has the final say and if he or she is not ha is not feeling this vibe then a customer is not coming in oh wow i, I think that shows more than anything i really Like an ethical, it's it's ethical to do like we are going to be faithful to our mission, to our vision for the business, to our culture, and to, because you don't want to bring somebody in that's going to make everybody else feel uncomfortable. You're you to be like, oh, it's why is this person what you're here? Doing. Yeah, yeah, that's literally destroy. It's destroying the fun for all the other people in the building, and we've we've had that in the past, so we learned from it. So oh, you so, have had those challenges. Yeah. Wow, Jesus, intense. Like I re I remember when it was you were doing uh, I I was still in Stardock you were doing a lot of uh, redesigning of the space changing the spaces mm -hmm. I thought it was really interesting that you made a meeting actually you invited us all saying like if you want to ask us questions about the redesign about how we are changing things here we are in what I appreciate the most it wasn't it wasn't a defensive attitude saying like I'm sorry but you're here if you don't like it leave it was more like okay how can we make this in a way that everybody's comfortable that we like it how do you feel about this how can we process it so it's really even the community's involved so even as a client you're involved in what's happening around you it, in the end it's your office <laughs> so yeah so we, we can redesign it but if you don't like the redesign then we we invest a lot of time and money but nobody likes the office so Yeah, for, for us, it's uh, it's like normal that that you you uh, do it together with the community, no matter the decision you make. So it can uh, it can also be the question like, hey, we, we have 5,000 euros to invest. Uh, do you want us to buy a new phone booth or a ping pong table? 
um, or it can be a new redesign of, of uh, the flexible office uh, area, or it can be, well, what kind of, what kind of new customers or what kind of new dockers should we attract in order to, to add to the, the, uh, to the ecosystem? Uh, every decision that we make, it can either destroy the community feeling or it can contribute too, and it has to contribute too. So that's why we, yeah, we do everything together with the community as far as we can. I have to say, I like that polarization of it can destroy it or it can contribute to it. It's not like I'm okay with making it a little bit worse. Or I'm okay with making everybody a little bit uncomfortable. You have like those two polars and yeah. people feel it because we're people. We feel it. Like if somebody, I, I don't know if other people are like this. I am like this. I don't like going to new grocery stores. Why I not? don't. I am completely disoriented. I am like, why is this here? This makes no sense. I think that's why I like Ikea so much because everything looks the same in every single Ikea. Mm -hmm. You know when you're going for it. And I, I need a second to adapt to a new grocery store. So and it's those those little things. And it's because we have, we have already, like I'm a creature of habit in many things. So when you see those changes, like somebody else adding to the room and that person doesn't have the right energy, it, it, it really like... It, it tickles you, it sets you or gives you something in the back of your head that makes mm -hmm. you think, I'm not comfortable right now. Yep. But yeah, it's, it's, I think it's amazing how much you guys think about that. You think about that and, and take perspective on that. Yeah, well, I, I feel that as my work. It's the work that I have to do. Nice. And so when you are making these decisions and thinking about how to grow your business, because you have been growing a lot in the last... Like since I've been aware that startup existed, you have grown a lot. When you make the decisions, like, did you do you have any people who are influential in your decision making? Like when you're making a choice, like who's who's whose voice do you hear in the back of your head? And Plenty. did you have any? Yeah, Plenty like, voices. Yeah, who's yeah. there? Who's, oh, oh, you have a lot of voices in your head. You should get that checked out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably, should, probably I should see a doctor. No, no. From from the moment when we started. Uh, we already knew that we were not the uh, we didn't have all the knowledge and expertise to to set up a company uh, let's stand to to scale up a company um, so from from the fir very first moment when we started we started with uh, advisors uh, people who I regularly regularly meet with uh, let's say it's once per quarter with some it's once per month um, and actually per different growth phase, we try to attract new advisors. Um, some of these advisors are also investors in our company. So we currently have, I think, seven investors, seven, yeah, seven uh, individuals um, who mostly invest together with their wife or with kids. Or um, uh, and and they, all of them have uh, great experience, uh, but in different fields. Some are from the field of facilities management. Some are from the field of insurances. Um, some are from banking. Uh, so they all have different perspectives on the same kind of situation. So we can, yeah, we can put our struggles on the table and ask them like, hey, how would you solve this? They all have their perspectives and then, then we can make a decision, which is not a decision from someone who is uh, not very experienced, but yeah, it's, it's a decision from a lot of great minds. Um, so it's, it's advisors, investors, and next to that, um, uh, I read a lot. I listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, and this also yeah, makes me more and more experienced along the way. Um, 
although I'm 31 right now, so I'm still very unexperienced and, and I really need this, uh, these advisors around me in order to, uh, to keep scaling, I think. I, I think that's the best place that you can be. It's like that beginner mindset, like always having that, that's, that's starting that, okay, I don't know this. It's fine to ask, ask questions to people instead of being the, I know it. It's like, I think it's like this. I think it's like that. I would love to ask you this question. Um, how do you feel about like coaches and, and entrepreneurship coaches, entrepreneur, entrepreneur boot camps and all those things? Do you think it's better to find a few people that have the knowledge and then get the experience yourself? Or do you think it's better to get that more structured in a book, in a boot camp or a course? Um, I wouldn't want to bash any kind of knowledge in this, but uh, experience, in my opinion, is the most important factor, at least for me. Um, so what you, what you see a lot right now is these accelerator or these incubator kind of programs. Um, and we have followed an accelerator program as well uh, with my two uh, co-founders. Um, we joined the program for uh, two years um, and it really helped us. This, you have these, these kind of accelerator programs that, that, that only go like six months and you have to really hyperscale. Uh, but we joined a more, uh, I would say, a more Dutch one, a Dutch, more Dutch way of scaling, a little bit slower, but uh, yeah, you make uh, clear decisions, uh, uh, yeah, a little bit slower. Um, and this really helped us. Uh, there were a lot of experienced entrepreneurs involved, and and they really helped us. So, so this is probably one that I forgot to mention in in your previous question. But but these these this program. It's based on the Rockefeller habits and, and uh, Vern Harnish's book, Scaling Up. Um, I can recommend this book to any entrepreneur and, and especially the lessons in it. Uh, it's, it's really like a playbook. It's like a holy Bible on how to build a company, how to behave, how to uh, be a leader or manager or coach inside your company. Um, and, and also how to work with your, with your colleagues, how to work with your customers, how to look at cash how to look at the execution within your company. So it's, it's really, it has everything, I, th I think, this book. Um, and, and I think the added value of, of experienced people, in my opinion, is always worth your while. As a, as a, especially as a starting entrepreneur, you know nothing. You, you probably know something about a specific field. Let's say you know something about marketing. That means that you know nothing about finance, nothing about sales, nothing about HR, nothing about fundraising, nothing about growth. You need to learn so much more in order to become a successful entrepreneur, I think. You better make sure to, to get all this knowledge on board. And, and no matter how you get it on board, listen to people in accelerator programs, in podcasts, in books, in advisory roles, in coaching roles, no matter how you get the knowledge on board, but make sure you get the knowledge on board. That sounds great. And I, that also speaks to the fact that a lot of people learned in a different way. That's a kind of a core thing about this podcast, that we are all different in the way we learn. A lot of people do, a, do well in a classroom setting or in a lecture setting or in a boot camp. But for somebody else, learning by themselves at home will be easier. Some people ex need to have the experience or have the theory and the theory is enough to jump. Other people want to mentor, have a mentor-mentee situation and get that first-hand knowledge. So it's, it's really diverse. It, I think what you're saying, it's like find that knowledge and find what fits you as an individual best and your organization. Yeah. Yeah, and, and make sure there's a learning culture within your organization as well. So other people want to learn 
as well. So it's not only you as an entrepreneur. When you grow, at a certain point, you also want to have your your colleagues, your your managers, to 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 become self learning and and self developing. Um, and I think this is very important if you want to scale and and continue scaling. Your organization has to be adaptive to to learning all the time. And if I may ask, which was the thing that because you mentioned a lot of you mentioned marketing, fundraising, investing, in your case, facilities management, all the things. What was the thing that you were the most scared about approaching? The one that you were like, oh, I really need to find the right person to do this. What, what was your box jump? The thing that you probably could have been able to do, but you were like scared of starting and that somebody pushed you into it. I love the metaphor of the box jump. <laughs> oh, oh, box jumping. God damn it. Um, what was my box jump? Um, I, I think my business partner, so my co-founder, Johan, he has pushed me into a lot of box jumps along the way um he is less scared or or more realistic about uh, probably more entrepreneurial than i am um so often when i'm still doubting or still not sure whether we should jump he says well i i made a calculation and the calculation said said yes so let's just jump um the, the hardest box jump in that sense Probably was the the jump towards Rotterdam, uh, the op opening a co-working space in a city that we were not living in, a city that we know few entrepreneurs, and a city which was uh, what we heard from from uh, like brokers that we that we work with, they all said Amsterdam and Rotterdam are total different cities. Um, that was that was really a scary jump for me to take. And it was, I think I remember you said it was the largest space that you had acquired mm -hmm. at that point. By far, by far, oh. yeah. Like I wish, like I think I'm gonna, I think so. I think I'm gonna add pictures in the in the, in the Instagram of the three of the four locations. So they can see so people can like see the difference. But I because I I've seen them because I did a I was like this is. I, this is a monster like this is this is from going like like from having like horses to say you know what i should get a giraffe i'm gonna <laughs> yeah. get a giraffe now it's complete it even works oh my god this analogy works so well because the building is has kind of the giraffe colors <gasps> this was completely spontaneous yeah. um, but yeah it's like I, i know horses i'm gonna get a giraffe now see what happens yeah oh, that was crazy that was how it felt And then at a certain point, we were having this giraffe standing in our garden and we were like, okay, then how are we going to treat this animal? That was, uh, yeah, it was a tough time, but um, we learned plenty of lessons. Also, yeah, it's, it, it was probably the, the best lesson to learn. So if we want to now uh, grow towards, let's say, Utrecht, um, it feels more comfortable because we've already made such a step before and we know what kind of aspects to look into beforehand. So before you buy that giraffe, you it doesn't feel like a giraffe anymore. Yeah, no, it feels like I have a giraffe. I get an ostrich next, or maybe maybe one day you get an elephant. Who knows? They're very smart. They're cool. Yeah. <laughs> And do you feel like now you're in a point that you could mentor, mentee somebody? Like, do you see yourself? Because um, I mean, let's say you were recently in a conference, in a co-working conference in London. Mm -hmm. Let's say. A younger you showed up and said, "Like, hey, I would right now move to the Netherlands to get a mentorship with you." Do you think you're ready for that step, or what? Do you see yourself as a teacher or somebody ready to impart knowledge? Um, 
Yeah, again, so so uh, suddenly I became a little bit experienced about entrepreneurship and, and I meet a lot of starting entrepreneurs, also starting entrepreneurs in our sector um, that definitely have less experience than I have. So so if somebody's willing to, to uh, become a mentee, then definitely I would want to do it. Um, but I don't see myself in that way. Uh, I'm busy building my own company. I'm busy, busy listening to other mentors for me. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I would I would love to do it. If I could help somebody with it, definitely. But I don't see my, myself particularly in that way. And and also within our company, so to, to my colleagues, um, I think it's hard because most of my colleagues are my age. Um, some of them are... are way more experienced in, in uh, particular fields. For instance, our sales colleague, she's way more experienced than I am. So she can learn probably something from me, but I can learn way more about sales from her. And, and this is also important for our company culture. Like if we should, we should, we want to work together with people that are very good in what they are doing so they can all teach each other on, on their individual uh, skills and, and expertise. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm not in that sense so much of a mentor. It doesn't feel like that. I think even yeah. though it doesn't feel like that, the key aspect that I think you're mentioning is that it's it's a situational thing. Sounds like in your case, it's a situational thing. That in some situations, yeah, or at, at least that's what I'm getting out of it. That in some situations, you can be the more knowledgeable knowledgeable one, and you're happy to help and share your information. And in other ones, you're happy to learn and just absorb right. knowledge from others. Yeah, correct. Yeah, I mean, but, but if you... Even from somebody who's starting, um, you can also learn. So you can always learn in both ways. So this is also a reason why a lot of mentors uh, want to mentor me, because we do things uh, a lot more innovative in our company than they are doing in their companies, for instance. So they can learn a lot about how we, how we use software, how we use IT, how we use automation, um, yeah, so, so uh, also with the mentors that I uh, that guide me, they can also learn from what we are doing. And, and, but we can learn way more from them, obviously, because they have way more experience. Exactly. And also, I think you can, you can also serve in other things, like also how to build a healthy company culture, or how to build a space that, or how to create an environment in which people feel like they're open and on, like you, they can be open and honest about what they need. There are so many things. Like I, I am of the personal belief you can always learn something from somebody, yep. because we all have different life experiences and we all have learned different skills and different lessons in life, and we can always like approach that, like approach everything with curiosity. That's what I say. Just be curious about anything. You can be curious about nature and just be curious about a person. Be curious about a thing, and you'll find that that thing is extremely interesting. And yeah, just be open to learning. I think that's Sounds also what like this podcast that. is about, right? Exactly. Oh, <laughs> it, it's coming through. See, I, I'm already like helping create that environment. <laughs> yeah, this is where the plan comes together, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> the long con worked. <laughs> Just kidding. Ta-da. And how, now we are getting to like one of the final questions, which is the, the most conceptual, esoteric one. Where, how do you, where do you think we're going? In, like, it, I write creative development because it's really human development. But I think if I say human, people are going to go into humanities going down the drain. Um, but I believe that everybody's creative in one way. It's, uh, professionally, personally, like humans are creative beings. Just we all choose in what to be creative. Mm -hmm. So 
what do you think what do you think is the next step do you think digital will take over do you think human to human interaction in person should be what we should be focusing on what do you, what do you see be, especially because you have this interesting experience with a lot of different people from a lot of different fields coming together in an actual physical space mm -hmm. and having those interactions and you have workshops you have talks you have like there are a lot of events that startup makes to feed into that idea of sharing information so where do you think every that will go the next stage of creative professional dash human development yeah um what, what we have seen over the course of the years is that um some trends uh have started and came up um And I think these trends will continue growing. For instance, the, the blockchain trend, um, I think this, this metaverse trend is, is becoming a serious thing. And, and there's, a, there's an audience for all these trends, but um, whether, uh, whether you want to live in a metaverse or whether you want to live in the real world, I think these, these are two kinds of people. So just like you mentioned there, you can learn something from every person. Um, you can learn about, a lot about uh, the metaverse from a particular kind of pe uh, person, a particular kind of company. Um, but I don't see the entire world becoming digital. Uh, this is not the future that I feel we're, we're going towards um, because people prefer to be one-on-one. -on -one. This is what we have seen during the COVID times. We have seen um, people could work at home for, for five days a week. Um, this wasn't particularly a solution for most people. They, they really they were really willing to come to our co-working spaces during the pandemic um, because they want to have this one-on-one -on -one contact, this uh, sparring with each other, this uh, having a nice coffee, drinking a beer after work. This is what we are doing on a daily basis within our co-working spaces. And it's, it's very important. It's the social glue. And I believe humanity is, is constantly changing, but, but we're constantly changing with new trends and new innovations. Um, but, but human beings have certain needs we we all want physical contact we all want social contact we all want to be productive this is also one of the, the things we we uh we feel is important uh, and we also want to relax in a way um i think this doesn't change very much the the percentage of how we we prefer to spend time um what is one of the most the one of the biggest challenges of, of this age i feel is is uh, the climate change i think That's something that uh, that more and more people are are worrying about. Luckily, finally, people seem to be, seem to be opening their eyes, and this is also what we think is important at startups. It's a topic we we address a lot, and and we are becoming a B Corp uh, as a company. Um, I wanted to talk about that. That that's a huge achievement. Well, we're not there yet. We are into the certification right now, but we're not there yet. But, Just wanting yeah. to do it already because I I know I went to a seminar actually from B Corp Dogama like how the process. A lot of people think that it's just signing up for a certificate and getting it done, but they actually have a point system. It's there. I think there are eight or ten categories that no, you have five, to, five five categories. Oh, uh, five. Wait, I'm thinking about the subcategories as well. Okay, it's five categories in which you have to fulfill a certain amount of points, and then they evaluate you. They give you. A feedback they give you an amount of time to change it's a whole process of an achievement of i think it's an achievement just wanting to go through that process because it's not easy it's not a certificate you buy no, no, no. <clears throat> it's not and, it's, and they're very strict so so they they recognized 
uh, all these labels and all these certifications um, that were quite easy to get in at a certain point. Um, I don't know about like the Echo label or the Fairtrade label. I don't know which are like better or, or worse, but B Corp or, and B Lab, they really want to, to fo keep focusing on the quality. So not get companies on board that's, that do bad for the name and the certification. So they're really strict on on this this point system, and it's uh, it's gonna take us like three quarters of this year in order to get to the uh, ninety points. Then we're gonna apply, and probably we won't be accepted because yeah, they think some points are not uh, fair. That, that you're not far enough. Um, so then you yeah, and you have to continue up until uh, I think it's ninety points, and then you get accepted, and then you can have the label B Corp as a company, but it's definitely not easy. And, and But I would recommend all companies and entrepreneurs to to start a, a journey like this because it's inspiring. You learn a lot and, and you, you work on a better world instead of a worse world or planet. Exactly. <clears throat> and I think we put a lot of pressure on individuals. Like we, uh, as in, like, sadly, as we could, like the entire planet could do go full vegan paper straws and everything and but if the 100 companies continue to pollute the way they're polluting we're not going to make a single change so businesses have an incredible amount of power yeah and um at the seminar that i was from b-lab they were saying that it's a good idea for people who are starting businesses to look at things to, to look at their categories first and integrate them early yeah So you start a company, Absolutely. think about these categories. That way the journey, it's not a journey of changing your organization. It's building your organization with these principles. Yeah. And they take into account so many things from how to treat your employees, uh, the environment, your financials, how do you contribute your investors? They evaluate so many things. It, it was a two hour seminar and I thought, oh, okay, it's going to be like the classic 45 minute introduction into B Lab, and they were like, "Nope, we're starting." So this is the first category, and I was like, "Jesus Christ!" That's, that's but it's very inspiring. Just as you mentioned, it's so when people think about making impact, it often they often think about sustainability and, and environmental impact. But what B Corp is also focus, focusing a lot on is is this social impact part and the financial impact part, and especially the social impact is very interesting. Like, how do you treat people? How do you recruit new people? How do you treat your customers? Um, so nowadays also with the me too kind of, uh, uh, thing, this is also, uh, important for companies to think about what kind of standpoint do you take on that? And, and how do you work as a company? Is, are you like weapon on that or, or do you accidentally also accept these kind of things to happen within your company? It goes way broader and this is very inspiring to learn about. So it's a cool, uh, cool trajectory. Yeah, I'll definitely put like B Lab and B uh, and the B Corp certification in the show notes because, yeah, I hadn't thought. I'm so happy that I talked to you because I hadn't thought about it in in a while because I've been connected to so many other things. But it's true, like having those that certification means something, and I I like what you mentioned that they're actually strict about it. It's not just you can just buy the certificate. It's like yeah, I got this award, I got the certificate. No, they're actually gonna put you through the ringer to get it yep. and you're you're somebody in, in startup and you and your co-founder are somebody that you're saying like you know what it's a challenge it can only help us for the best and i think that's extremely admirable well thanks well we have made it to the end of the show to the end of the interview so this is a point for you in which i ask you do you have any books movies ted talks 
funny jokes, something you would like to recommend to the listeners of this episode? We have. I already wow. wrote down uh, the book that you mentioned, sca the scaling up. Do you have Very anything nice. else that influenced you in your life? What really influenced me, and, and I don't like the title of the book, but it's a book from Dale Carnegie, uh, Dale Carnegie um, How to Make Friends and Influence People. Uh, I don't like the title of the book again, but it's a, just a book about being a good human. Uh, and I really like that one. Um, also, um, uh, Sapiens from uh, Juval Noah Harari. It's really interesting. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, there are so many books. Um, in terms of podcasts, I'm currently listening to, to the podcast Over Routines. This is a podcast from uh, um, a Dutch, let's call him like a guru in health, who is constantly talking about how, how, how human routines are, are working for you as a human instead of against you. So why you should build routines and how, what kind of routines you could build. It's about sleeping, about food, about gymming, about work, about kids. It can be about anything, alcohol. Really interesting. Um, and I also listened to, um, uh, I forgot his name, the, the biggest podcaster who recently made a transfer to, uh, uh, to Sp Spotify exclusively, uh, Joe Rogan. Uh, yeah, he has a lot of inspiring guests who have, and, and I like his way of interviewing these, uh, these people. He's really going to the bone. Um, and, and I don't like all of his guests. Some are, like to me, not, not inspiring, uh, but a lot of them are. So, um, yeah. I, was, I would say that's about it. Yeah, sounds good. Well, thank you so uh, thank you so much for this. Is there anything you would like to plug? Anything you would like to about you, about your business, about an event that you have coming up? Anything you would like to plug in? No, not particularly something. I would say uh, dive into dive into the B uh, the B Corp movement. Uh, so so for every human being, this is interesting, uh, but especially for for people working in uh, in companies that that are willing to do good. Um, Yeah. That's Sounds what good. I well, well, perfect, Tom. Thank you so much. Cool. Thank you too. If you made it to the end of this episode, thank you so much. I really hope that clicking sound didn't ruin the interview. I, I hope it didn't. I think it didn't. I think the content spoke for itself. And yeah, it, it was great. I totally agree with Tom on B Corp and B Lab and what they're doing. You'll find links to that in the show notes as well to all of Tom's book and podcast recommendations. And yeah, it's. I, I hope you enjoy it. I hope that if you're in, in the Netherlands, you'll check out Stardock and or go to their website, which is also linked in the show notes. And you can check out their amazing content because it's really a company to emulate. And I hope you see that as well. I really try to make that extremely obvious. Thank you again to Tom for his time and thank you, dear listener, for giving me the pleasure of yours. I hope you're enjoying these conversations. Please subscribe to the show, give it a review or give us feedback. It's always welcome. Are there questions you would like to ask creatives or do you have somebody you would like to recommend for the show? You can reach out to me on social media or email, which is all linked in the show notes. To close, thank you for listening again this week and I hope to be back in your ears very soon. Until then, keep learning and stay curious. Bye.